Thank you for listening to this teaching from Table Church in Des Moines, Iowa. We are in a series called Seven Questions Jesus Asked. Jesus understood that sometimes he could say more with a simple question than with a thousand other words. His questions are known for their ability to pierce through our intentions and get to the heart of the matter. In this series, we are exploring seven questions that he asked people 2,000 years ago, but are just as relevant for us today. And as always, please be sure to check us out at tablechurchdsm.org. Thank you for listening. My name is Cheryl Kosakowski, and Pastor wanted me to tell you a little bit about myself. I moved here in 2019 to help launch Table Church when we came from Sioux Falls. And on Sundays when I'm up on the stage playing keys or reading scripture, and then other Sundays I'm in the nursery um, serving our littlest ones. On Tuesday afternoons I help with Rise Up Ministries, uh, teaching kids to read and do math, and that's lots of fun. And on Friday afternoons, um, late afternoon, I, tape, I host a table group in my church, in my home, for seniors. And we have a lot of fun also. And uh, so I love serving, and it brings a lot of um, meaning and purpose to my life. And I pray that you would pray about how you could serve the Lord in his kingdom. Our scripture for today is found in the book of John, chapter 21, verses 15 through 22. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this is to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Jesus turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Good morning, everybody, and it's great to see you here. Thank you for coming to Table Church. Um, My name is Phil Wiseman. If you're new, it's a privilege to be worshiping with you today. Thanks for joining us. Um, As we get started, I just want to let you know about something that is going to be, um, well, you won't be able to miss it. They're going to start a a construction project here at the table, er, sorry, here at the Playhouse. Uh, And you've probably seen the signs. They've been fundraising for quite a while now. 
and they're going to start the project here in actually sooner than I really realized. I had for some reason in my brain that it was going to be January. It had originally been going to be, it was going to, they were going to start in August, but it got pushed back as they were trying to still fundraise. Um, I got an email this week. It's starting November 11th is when they're beginning. And so uh, the Kate Goldman Theater, which is where our elementary age kids, our kids table ministry, that's where they worship. Uh, that's going to be unavailable starting on November 11th. Um, now, we have discussed our contingency plans as a staff, and we have a plan of what we're going to do. There is another room in the Playhouse. It's called the Theater in the Ground, and I think it'll be just fine. It's just a little bit farther back in the bowels of the Playhouse. This is a big building, really. Um, and so next week, hopefully, we'll be able to kind of show parents and kids where it is and how to get there. And of course, we'll have volunteers taking kids there and stuff like that. Um, but as the construction unfolds, it will just be ever-changing. The situation that we kind of find from week to week might be different. Uh, so, for example, in December, uh, we won't be able to get to that room from inside the building. You will only be able to access it through a door on the outside of the building. And so probably what we'll do in December, just to give you a heads up, is that we will have kids in service with us until the welcome time that Pastor Megan usually does, at which point we will kind of dismiss them and we'll have volunteers in the room to take the kids to their rooms that they're going to. And uh, so that, that's what we're looking at. Um, it's going to be kind of a long process. I think the finished product is going to be amazing and we're going to benefit from it for sure. Uh, but I just hope and I pray that all of you and anybody who's new will uh, be flexible and understanding as we kind of do our best to work around uh, just what we really have no choice in, in working around. So, and pray for the Playhouse too, that it all goes smoothly. Obviously, these sorts of projects are always more expensive and longer than you want. Um, but I do think that it's going to be a, a really good thing for the, for the Playhouse once it, once it is done. So just wanted to give you that heads up. It is upon us. And uh, so I'm excited to see uh, what's in store. So let's turn to our text here today that Cheryl just read. By the way, that's about the best pitch I could ever give you for serving. Uh, so yeah, if you're not serving and you'd like to, please let us know. You can circle it on your connection card and we will be happy to talk to you more. So the Apostle Peter, that's who we're talking about here. He has to be one of the most complex characters in the, in the New Testament. Um, and which also probably makes him one of the most relatable characters. He's, there's a lot of development of Peter, the character, that happens, that we see throughout the Gospels, and then even into the New Testament through Acts, and eventually we even read his own writings in First and Second Peter. Now, when I say complex, what I mean is that like, he's all over the map. Uh, one minute he's confessing Jesus as Messiah, and another minute, you know, he's cutting off a guy's ear who's coming to, to arrest Jesus. Like, that's the kind of passion he's got. And then the next moment, he's denying that he even knows Jesus. See, what this means is that we can relate to Peter. We all know what it's like to be here in one moment and here the next. That's just life. That's just what it is to be human. We all have moments where we shine and we all have moments where we fail. And Peter's growth, it's not a perfect line up and to the right. It's a roller coaster, which is always what spiritual growth looks like. But all of this is what makes the scene that Cheryl just read, what makes it so beautiful. In fact, I think one of the most beautiful moments in the Gospels because, because we've been there. We've been through all of this stuff with Peter. If you've read through the Gospels, you've seen the highs and the lows, and you've probably identified with it a little bit as well. Like you're like, no, I, I've messed up pretty bad in my life too. 
Lucky for me, it didn't get recorded in the you know, most read text ever. But Peter wasn't so lucky. We've been there for all the victory and all the heartache with Peter. And, and, and now they stand together, Jesus and Peter, for the last time while Jesus is on earth on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And you can almost imagine the waves gently lapping in the background and probably a little bit of soft cinematic orchestral music playing as they have this tender moment. Now we call this the reinstatement of Peter because it comes on the heels of Peter's greatest failure. When, when Peter denied even knowing Jesus three times, he said, I don't know him. It was in the moment where Jesus had been arrested. Everything was falling apart. Peter was scared. He didn't know what was going to happen. And in those moments, that moment of weakness, he failed Jesus. Now, we're in a series called Seven Questions That Jesus Asked. Naturally, we're looking at questions that Jesus asked. And today is the seventh question. This is the last week of the series. And the question that Jesus asks is, do you love me? Now, in our text Jesus asks Peter if he loves him three times. Each time, Peter responds, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. But look what happens the third time he asks him. It says, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Peter was hurt the third time that Jesus asked and the reason why he was hurt is because Peter knew what Jesus was referring to. Peter denied Jesus three times. And now Jesus asks him a third time, do you love me? The connection is hard to miss. And so once again, Peter kind of feels the sting of his failure. But notice what Jesus is doing here. I think this is important. Jesus is not making Peter relive the moment of his failure. He is reframing it. He's reframing Peter's failure. Jesus takes Peter back to the moment of failure, not to rub his face in it, but to, you know what, give him a job because of it. He says, feed my sheep. Peter will go on to be the leader of the early church. In fact, earlier in the Gospels, Jesus had said to Peter, you're Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. In other words, he said to Peter, you are going to be the leader of my fledgling gathering, the people that are following me, and I want you to be a leader. And then all this stuff happens, and now Jesus is essentially saying, you're still my guy. I haven't forgotten about this. You're still, even though this happened, you're still the guy. So he's reframing his failure. See, here's, here's the significance of this moment. Peter's calling is not given in spite of his failures, but in light of them. Notice this. Jesus, the calling that Jesus places on Peter's life is also in reference to his greatest failure. The text of Jesus' reinstatement of Peter cannot be fully understood apart from the text of his greatest failure. The two must go together. Jesus connects the two. And here's what I think we learn from this. Jesus can transform your deepest pain into your highest calling. He can take the thing that the enemy thought was his victory and he can use it for his kingdom. See, only somebody with a failure like Peter's could be trusted with a responsibility like Peter's. Because listen, failure is not the opposite of success. In fact, it's one of the necessary ingredients 
When I first entered ministry, I came to a church that was fairly traditional. It was an aging church. They were excited to have this young 22-year-old on staff now because he's going to help them reach the young people. And uh, in fact, they said, they came to me and said, hey, we're going to start a new service for young people and you're going to lead it. You're going to plan it and you're going to lead it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to show them what I'm made of. We're going to do this and we're going to, it's going to be amazing. I, I put in like six months of hard work researching like all the different ways, the, the, the what kind of alternative forms of worship that the millennials are into and stuff like that. I developed a leadership team. I recruited people to come. Um, we recruited an entirely new worship team for it. We gave it a cool name, had cool branding. We didn't sit in pews. We weren't in the, in the sanctuary. We met in the youth room. We sat around tables. We had a meal after every service. Like it checked all the boxes of relationality and authenticity that, you know, young people are apparently into. And the first night we launched, we had almost 70 people there. It was huge. We felt great. But within a few months, I grew that 70 people to about 25. (laughs) And all the other staff members started, they were all hyped up about it. And slowly they started to complain about having to work on Saturday nights. I remember the moment. I was sitting in a board meeting, a church board meeting, and one of the board members referred to the service as a failure. And that stung. I was the young guy coming out of college ready to prove himself, and it failed. But you know what? God used that failure. I learned a few things through that. It was embarrassing and sad and frustrating. But I learned a thing or two through that. And I've since gone on to, well, plant churches. And you can't tell me that that experience hasn't factored into the things that I've done later in life. God used it to prepare me to plant table church. Jesus transformed my pain and my calling. I'll I'll be honest, the feeling of failure, though, that feeling never goes away completely. And I believe that most followers of Jesus feel like they're lousy at it sometimes. Sometimes I just feel we're loud, really bad Christians or something like that. We often let the pain of our past or our shame set the terms of our spiritual lives, listen, rather than the power of our Savior. We let, the, we let our past set the terms of our spiritual lives rather than the power of our Savior. That's what we do. All we can see is what we've done, and it doesn't leave room to see what God has done. But we need to remember that when Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? It is the resurrected Jesus who is asking that question. It is the Jesus who has been raised from the dead in victory over sin and death. He's the one who's asking Peter and us that question. See, we have to reframe our our failures in light of what Jesus has done, not what we've done. We're talking about a Jesus who has risen in victory over anything that we may have have done in our lives. And what I love about what, what Jesus does with Peter is he doesn't just dismiss Peter's three denials. He doesn't just say, ah, oh, man, it's cool. Like, don't worry about it. That's no big deal. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. He doesn't minimize it. He references his failure, but he reframes it in light of the fact that Jesus is alive again. He says, Jesus is like, there's, there's business to be done here. All right. You, I know you love me. I'm not sure, Peter, that you believe you love me, so I'm going to make you say it. By asking him the question three times, he's reminding Peter about his failure, but more importantly, he's reframing it. He's helping him remember he really does love Jesus, even in spite of his sin. 
That's all that Jesus needs. That's all he needs. And so my point today is simply this. If if your past is what's keeping you from fully surrendering your life to Jesus, I want you to remember two things. Number one, remember that Jesus is fully aware of your past. Like there's no secrets here. And number two, remember that Jesus can actually use that past for his kingdom. That's what I want you to know. Peter messed up and Jesus doesn't shame him for it. He forgives him for it and he gives him a job in light of it. Calls him into service. He says, feed my sheep. And what he's talking about there, he's saying, lead my people. Look, there there are going to be some hard times coming for this fledgling young church over the coming decades and centuries. Who better to encourage them to stand strong in the face of persecution than the guy who's been there? Jesus can transform your deepest pain into your highest calling. Now, for some of us here, the thing that is keeping us from engaging with God is shame from our past. But I want you to know that the thing that you feel most shameful of in the hands of Jesus can become the basis for your kingdom mission. The last step of the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous says this, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. So the last step is essentially go make disciples. It's go out and share this message. Now, let me ask you, who do you think is the best person to reach an alcoholic? An alcoholic, right? Somebody who's been there before. In fact, you can't sponsor an alcoholic in AA unless you are one too. You have to have been there and walked through the steps in order to actually be the kind of person that can help somebody who is there now. Sometimes your most shameful moment becomes the basis of your kingdom mission. At the end of our passage today, there's this interesting moment between Peter and John. And it's a good word for us when we're tempted to compare ourselves to others. Uh, It says this, Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved, by the way, John wrote the book, (laughs) uh, was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. See, there's this weird relationship with with Peter and John throughout the Gospels. Uh, John, as we just see, he's called the disciple whom Jesus loved. Peter, on the other hand, he's remembered as the guy who disowns Jesus. (laughs) At the Last Supper, John is the one sitting next to Jesus, leaning back against him in affection, not Peter. The day of Jesus' resurrection, the the Bible says that uh, Peter and John, they ran to the empty tomb, and it actually says that John outran Peter. And then as they're sitting in a fishing boat, it's John who is the first to recognize the resurrected Jesus on the shore, not Peter. See, Peter always seems to come up short compared to John. But here's our scene as they're standing on the shores, just Jesus and Peter having this moment. Jesus is reinstating him, giving him responsibility for the church. And in the middle of this conversation, Peter looks over his shoulder and there's John spying on him. He's like, oh, great. What's he coming to do now? Peter's, Jesus is giving me responsibility for the church. He's probably just going to whisk John away to heaven right now, isn't he? 
Here's Jesus' response. If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Peter, spend a little less time worrying about John and more time concerned with me, focused on me. Listen, here's the point of our passage for us today. If you're letting your past keep you from God, if you're letting comparison keep you from God, you need to forget it. You need to focus on Jesus. All that other stuff, what is it to you? Listen, feeling like a failure, that's sometimes the price you pay for doing something meaningful. Stop playing the comparison game and just focus on Jesus. And look, if you're here today and you feel like you're lousy at your job or you're just not doing all you should as a father or as a mother or as a friend, you don't feel like a very good Christian, whatever it might be, can I just ask you the question? Do you love him? Do you love Jesus? Because I bet, I bet that for most of us here today who carry around this kind of, this heavy yoke, this burden of like, I'm just not doing enough, I'm not being enough, I'm not enough, all that stuff. I bet if we, if we got, somehow could be really, really transparent with ourselves and drill down deep into our hearts, I bet, I bet that we would be able to say, I, I do love him. I do love Jesus. I want to serve Jesus. I think the answer would be, yes, Lord. You know I love you. If that's the case, do you love him enough to let him transform your deepest pain into your highest calling? Follow him. Follow him. Maybe you're realizing that you've not been following him. You've been following your fear, your self-image, your failures. Those are the things that have been pulling you around on a leash, leading you where you don't want to go. As Jesus says to Peter, maybe it's time to say, no, there's just one person in my life who's calling the shots. And it isn't any of those things. It's Jesus. Maybe it's time to fully surrender all of that stuff. Jesus says to Peter that when he's old, he'll stretch out his hands and someone else will lead him where he does not want to go. He's saying, Peter, you're going to be crucified. But you know something? Peter receives an incredible peace from Jesus that allowed him to spend the rest of his life following him. Peter knew that there is no other path to life. One day, this is one of the cool things about Peter. When I talk about a, like he's a complex character and I say, no, like we do get to follow the development of Peter, not just through the Gospels, but then in Acts. And then, you know, he's got a moment, apparently Paul talks about in Galatians where he was sitting with, he refused to sit with the Gentiles. And so Peter wasn't even perfect at that point, right? Like he still had things that went down. But then we have these two letters, first and second Peter, that he wrote when he was probably an old man. And we get to read the words of Peter, who's just got this lifetime of ups and downs and failures and victories and all these things. And, and I just think reading those books through that lens is really powerful. But here's what he writes, 1 Peter 5.10, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, listen, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. He's saying, look, this suffering, this suffering that we face in life, it's so worth it. It's so worth it compared to the eternal glory, he says, that we're called to in Christ. We're called to eternal glory. (laughs) I don't even know what that means. (laughs) It's just like, gotta be good though, right? That's what Jesus wants to make out of our mess. That's amazing. 
So are you ready for that? Is that what you want? Are you ready to leave behind your mistakes and your failures and surrender them to him and say, Jesus, what do you have for me? What do you have for me? And so my, my challenge for you is to reframe, let God reframe your failures in light of his victory. And, and there's all sorts of ways we can do that, but I'm just going to tell you that we have a really, really powerful tool for this here at Table Church. We just kicked off our prayer counseling team. And so we have a group of people that meet every Sunday night and they get together and pray and they are actually taking appointments where if you want to come and just be ministered to in prayer, um, there is a process that we can take, a prayer process that the team will lead you through, guide you through, that is specifically designed to help you see how Jesus is going to insert his grace into your hurts, shames, fears, all those things. And uh, if you've never done it, let me just tell you, there's nothing like it. It's, it's really amazing that when you just get with people, I mean, how often do you just get a team of people focused on your spiritual well-being for a few moments? That's what this is. It's incredible. And so if you have a, a, a deep or a dark wound or something like that, it doesn't even have to be dark. I don't know. If there's something that you're just hanging on to and it's hard, I cannot encourage you enough to sign up for a prayer counseling session. You can write it on your connection card, but that's specifically what this is all about. And you'll walk out of there having um, just experienced the freedom you didn't know was possible. I mean, I've heard people call it like a spiritual massage, right? Like just, you walk out of there thinking, oh man, I needed that. I just needed that. And so I wanna encourage you to do that today. If there's something in your life that you need to see God's grace work in, to reframe whatever that is and see how God might be able to use it might forgive it, might heal it. Um, also, we are just finishing a week of prayer in our new prayer room. And if you haven't gotten a chance to get in there, I want to encourage you to do it. In fact, we handed out the QR code again with the connection cards today. And so we're going to extend this week for another week. Uh, if, you, if you scan that with your phone, um, there's the spreadsheet will come up. Make sure you're on the right tab. So we have a tab for last week and a tab for this week. Uh, and you can sign up for a slot. And I just want to tell you, it, it's, it's really, really beautiful what's happening in there. The prayers that folks are writing, the artwork that people are making, um, all devoted to prayer and to the Lord. As a pastor, personally, when I walk in, it just, it just stops me in my tracks to see some of the things that people are carrying and also the amazing ways that you guys are encouraging one another and lifting each other up in prayer. It's really, really cool. And so please, use our prayer room, sign up. Uh, even after this next week, it's, you'll be able to use it anytime you want. Basically, just we'll have a process where you can, where you can let us know that you'd like to come in and we'll do that. We're going to sing one last song today, but I also want to ask, if you are here and you don't follow Jesus, you don't know what it means for Jesus to reframe your past, and you're thinking, I need to know what that means, please let us know. Just circle the cross on your connection card. That means, look, I want to follow Jesus. I'm not right now, but I'd like to start. And I will be in touch with you, and we'll, we'll talk about what that new journey in your life could look like. Let's pray. Lord God, I ask that right now, um, for anybody here who just needs a, a, fresh, um, a fresh sense of your love and of your peace, of your forgiveness, that you'd give it. Uh, Lord, for anybody here who needs you to reframe some things in their past and help them to see how in light of your grace, um, Lord, uh, what's the scripture say? That you bury our sins at the bottom of the ocean floor, that you separate us from our sins as far as the east is from the west. 
Lord, that's a remarkable truth, and we, we're amazed by it. And so, Lord, we do repent. We do say we're sorry for when we've grown cold. Would you forgive us? And would you remake us? We love you, God, and we pray these things in your name. Amen.